0: This is the look ahead on VSN, the
1: sports betting network. It is our number two of the look at right here on VCN, the sports betting network. Greg Pearson holding it down for Scott Seidenberg. You wanted seeing him on the nightcap earlier tonight. Did a terrific job over there. And now it is my turn to be able to try to give you guys everything that I've got with regards to what we're going to be seeing in college basketball and various other things as well with regards to what we're going to be getting on Tuesday. Big thanks to Jesse Granger of The Athletic who wound up joining me in our number one to take a little bit of a look at the NHL. Because I am a gentleman from the state of Wisconsin, I do have to address what wound up happening with Aaron Rodgers. I know that it is bettable where he's going to be playing next season. So we're going to be talking about that in about 30 or so minutes, but Got a lot of college basketball this hour, and I know that we've got a lot of SEC action as well, and what wound up actually being my play for DK Nation, because I give out one of these every single day, I know that many of you guys follow these, at GUnit underscore 81 on Twitter, and well, they've actually been relatively hot thus far, so let's try to keep it going, but how about if we take a look at a total that we're going to be getting on Tuesday, this would be 631-632, Florida going to be playing out to Arkansas. Arkansas find themselves anywhere between a one and one and a half point road favorite. Total on this game, you're going to be finding it at a 136. But I take a look at this total and I wound up setting it at a 140. Now, you've got to recognize that Florida has been a very good team at home. With regards to points allowed on a per possession basis, they're allowing about 14 and a half points fewer per 100 at home than they are on the road. But I do have my question marks when it comes to this Florida team as well. It is a team that. Able to shoot it a little bit better from three-point range. You saw Tyree Appleby have himself a nice game, especially late against Auburn. You do have a guy, Marion Jones, who's able to shoot about 35% from three-point range. But I think that Arkansas having Stanley Moody really be able to step up and come to the forefront is going to be big for this team in conference play. He's been averaging right around 14 14.5 points per game, shooting in the high 30s for three-point range for an Arkansas team that they themselves have actually shot better from three-point range on the road than they have at home for Arkansas. They're shooting as a collective about 27.3% from three-point range at home. On the road, that's actually a little bit north of 34%, so I do find that to be very intriguing with this Arkansas team as well. You've got a guy in Jalen Williams, that I really like. This guy is just an absolute stat sheet sufferer. Doesn't necessarily do one thing great, but does a lot of things solid. Ten and a half points, nine and a half boards. He's able to give you a little bit over a block, a little bit over a seal per game as well. So I think that that's going to be very critical in Arkansas. They also do a good job late with regards to their free throw shooting, a team that shoots right around 74.2% at the free throw line, so they're relatively rock solid. Big reason why I do like the over in this game as well is that both of these teams don't necessarily do the world's greatest job on the glass. When it comes to Florida, they are 305th in the country with regards to percentage of misses that they allow opponents to rebound. They allow opponents to corral a missed shot 29.7% of the time. That is not necessarily acceptable, especially when you've got a guy like Callum Castleton down low. They will give you 17 points, eight boards, two and a half blocks per contest. So I do think that that is a little bit tough, other than Castleton. You really don't have much low post play when it comes to Florida. For Arkansas, it is a team that they you know, always embrace a little bit of this basketball, and they themselves are allowing in SEC play for our opponents to be able to corral about 29% of their misses as well. So I do think that there's going to be second chances to be had by both of these teams. When it comes to Florida, has been a team that has been a little bit more rough on offense but has been supreme on defense And Arkansas. They themselves have been able to do a good job with their defensive effort. It's a team that ranks in the top 20 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, but when it comes to Arkansas, they do rank outside the top 10 with regards to three-point shooting percentage. And with Florida, this is a team that they like to go bombs away from three-point range. Florida is a team that, at home, is attempting over 49% of their shots from three-point range. That is in the top 10 in all of college basketball in terms of the percentage of their shots that they wind up taking from three-point range in true home games. And I do think that it's going to lead to things getting a little bit out of control. If you take a look at the spread, I want up saying mine at two personally. I think that Arkansas should be able to get it done. I'm willing to lay one. I'm willing to lay one and a half with them. Up to two is what I'm pretty much going to be willing to take here. But when you wind up having these close games, that typically means late game falling. That typically helps out over. So, I did wind up saying my total at a 140 for DK Nation. Gave out the over. And with Arkansas, I'm willing to lay up to do with them. So gonna be looking to lay a small number here with Arkansas. And I'm gonna be taking a look at an over as well. How about another game out there in the SEC? This one, a little bit less rambunctious, but it is 627, 628. You've got a Tennessee bunch that is gonna be hitting the road face off against Missouri and Missouri. Find themselves any between 10 and 10 and a half point underdogs. Really a 50 50 split as to whether you're gonna be getting 10 or 10 in the hook, and your total is anywhere between 130 and 130 and a half. And when it comes to the Tennessee team, certainly has been a very solid defensive team. When it comes to points a lot on a per-possession basis, this is one of the best teams you're able to find in all of college basketball. But it is a team that they've been dealing with a couple of injuries when it comes to the front court. And when it comes to just what you've been able to get in general, I John Fulkerson, it has not been great. He's been averaging right around five rebounds per game. Started out the year relatively solid, but... Seems like he might be dealing with some sort of an ailment or something underlying that is causing him to not necessarily be the John Fulkerson that we've seen in past years. Now, when it comes to Tennessee, still a very solid defense. They rank in the top 10 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis in all of college basketball. And this is a Missouri team that they just haven't necessarily been able to do a good job on either side of the ball with Missouri. They rank outside of the top 225 in both points scored and points allowed on a per-possession basis, but what I am able to say about this Missouri team is that they have been significantly better at home. It's a team that, on a per-possession basis, allows 15 and a half points fewer at home per 100 possessions rather than on the road. You've got a guy in Kobe Brown who is able to give you 13 points, 8.5 boards, does not shoot it well from three-point range. Missouri, they shoot 27.2% from three-point range. That's in the bottom 20 in all of college basketball, but you know who's really, really inconsistent with regards to their offense? That'd be Tennessee. Now, Tennessee has been able to score 70-plus points in each of last four games. You've got to give them a little bit of credit. Santiago Viscovi coupled with Kennedy Chandler. Both of these guys combined to be able to give you about 27 points. Per game. Viscovi has really been the main constant for the team on offense. You know what you're going to be able to get out of him. He shoots right around 38% from three-point range. He does a nice job of being able to dish out the ball. Pass him, though. You just don't know what what is going to happen from night to night. And with Tennessee. I can't necessarily trust this team laying double digits on the road because I just mentioned the fact that Tennessee is a little bit of a hit-or-miss offensive team. At home, they shoot 38.5% from three-point range. That's very solid. On the road, 28.9% from three-point range. That's not so solid. Missouri has been a team that has actually been able to guard the three-point arc a little bit better. You've seen them be able to pose threats to a lot of teams at home. You wind up seeing them be able to pull off a win earlier this year against Alabama. They wanted playing Auburn to the waning moments. They wanted playing Florida into the final possessions. Mississippi State wanted being able to knock them off a few days ago, but that was a game in which it was a two-point game. They were able to get a cover in that game, and I do think that Missouri is a little bit of a different animal when they're out there in Columbia rather than on the road. If this were a game that would be in Knoxville, I would have a much different outlook with regards to this game. And I thought that I was being aggressive on this one when I wanted saying Tennessee more around an eight-point favorite. So. Getting double digits here, I do think it's very appealing. I do think that there's a chance that you wind up getting a little bit of late game following. I do think that Missouri is going to be able to find their offense. I did wind up setting this total at a 132.5. With Missouri, they're not necessarily a super fast team. They're not necessarily a super slow team. And when it comes to Tennessee, it's really interesting to take a look at this team from a tempo standpoint because they're a team that they've been playing sort of the 40 minutes of HE Double Hockey 6 style. It's a Tennessee bunch that they've been able to do a good job be able to make the teams very uncomfortable, and when it comes to Tennessee, they rank right around 140th with regards to possessions per game, so I do think that this is a game in which you're going to see a little bit more scoring than a lot of people anticipate. I'm going to be taking a look at an over in this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at the points when it comes to Missouri. Also a game out there in the SEC that I think is worth taking a look at. How about Alabama versus Vanderbilt? Vanderbilt is going to be finding themselves as a home underdog in this spot, mostly seeing and between 3 and 3.5 and points as it's an Alabama team that I don't know if I want to be trusting in them too much, but I also take a look at Vanderbilt, and it's been a really rough year for this team. They've been able with a lot of injuries. Ronnie Chapman looks like he's going to be out of the fold once again for this team, and if you're looking for the rotation number of this game, you're finding it at 649, 650. We're seeing a little bit of a move here on Alabama as well, by the way. They went from being about a 3 to 3.5 point favorite Now seeing a lot of fours out there as well, and I do think that is the correct move. With Alabama, I'd wind up saying them as a five-point favorite. And What really stands out to me about the Crimson Tide bunch is that they've actually been able to do a better job on the road rather than at home with regards to their three-point shooting. Alabama is legitimately a bottom 10 three-point shooting team in terms of home three-point shooting percentages. They shoot right around 27 ish percent from distance when they are at home. On the road, they actually shoot 35.7%. That is very solid to say the least. Got a guy in Keon Ellis who I like. He's been able to give this team 11 points, five and a half rebounds. Now, the big kicker here for Vanderbilt is that they've got a guy by the name of Liam Robbins, who is a seven-footer. He's now back in the fold for this team. He wanted coming in from Minnesota, was able to give Minnesota right around two blocks per game last season. And first couple games of the season, he didn't necessarily have the best of results because he was just coming off of injury. So the like five and a half points, four rebounds per game averages that you're seeing. I do think that they're a little bit deceiving. I think that he's going to be able to do a little bit more moving forward for this Vanderbilt team, but I do think that Alabama is going to be able to hold up at the point of attack. Big thing for Alabama is keeping Scottie Pippen Jr. off the free throw line. Scottie Pippen Jr. is averaging right around seven and a half free throws per game. Does a good job of being able to generate two steals, 17 and a half points per game, but it's not necessarily a great three-point shooter, Miles Soutte for this Vanderbilt team. He's been able to shoot about 43 and a half percent from three-point range. So, He's been able to do a nice job there, but when it comes to this Vanderbilt team, I do think that they're outgunned a little bit more. You've got a couple reinforcements that have come in for Alabama as well. Got a guy in James Roas who wound up tearing his ACL. It was unknown whether or not he was going to be playing at all this season. Now he's able to give this team a couple more minutes in the post when you've got Javon Quinterly and Key and also Jane Shackelford combined to be able to give you 31 points per game as well. I do think that that's going to be a very big key against a Vanderbilt team that doesn't necessarily have a lot of depth. I'm only to lay up to five here with Alabama. I do think that they're going to be able to notch up their defensive efficiency as well. the total right around 149, so we're going to be taking a look at the under as well. And when it comes to this college basketball betting board for Tuesday, it is a very interesting one. Coming up next, going to be taking a little bit more of a look at the Big Ten right here on Vison Esports Bank Network.
0: This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
1: v has a great new offer that can only be described as madness. You get v all access to everything that we do, now through the College Basketball Championship on April 4th, and this is only for $29. Sign up now and you'll be able to get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, Plus, full access vsin.com with our exclusive betting splits breakdowns on every single game. This deal happens only once a year, so do not miss out. Visit slash madness to sign up today. As it is a look at with myself, Greg and filling in for Scott Seidenberg. And we took a look last segment at what we're all going to be getting in the SEC on Tuesday. Now, how about if we take a look at more of the teams out there in the Midwest? Let's take a look at the Big Ten and I think that this one is gonna be really interesting as you got 615, 616 on the betting board, as it is Iowa, and they're gonna be playing us in Michigan State. Michigan State, they wound up opening up in a lot of places, right around about a six and a half fish point underdog. And find this anywhere between six and a half and now we're seeing a straight seven out there at DraftKings with a total of between one fifty-three and one fifty-three and a half and with Michigan State. This is not necessarily the Tom Izzo teams of years past, but what I think that Michigan has going for it is that this is a team that they're able to score shirts from three-point range at any time. With Michigan State, this is a team that they do rank in the top 30 with regards to overall three-point shooting percentage. And you got a pair of guys in Call, Hall coupled with Ty Walker that are both able to shoot north of 50% from three-point range. That's one of the best marks you're going to find in all of college basketball. And they do it relatively solidly, both home and road. At home, they shoot 39.2% from three on the road, more like 37.5% from three and then... You take a look at Iowa, and this has been one of the best teams to the overall of college basketball. Right around two-thirds of their games have wound up going over the total. They've been a little bit more rock solid at home than they have been on the road, and you can just expect that out of Iowa. Hawkeyes have always been a team that has been a little bit better whenever they find themselves in their friendly confines rather than on the road, and for this Iowa bunch, one of the most efficient offenses that you're going to find in all of college basketball. Number four, with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, and a big reason why, is because they just don't hurt themselves. They turn the ball over right around nine times per game, despite the fact that they play at a high tempo, which means that they are not wasting possessions. Now, when it comes to Michigan State, they are going to probably try to look to be able to control things on the Marcus Bingham is someone that is able to give this team two and a half blocks. He chips in their six boards, so he's probably going to have to do a big part in being able to contain Keegan Murray, a guy that's been able to give this Iowa team a little bit over twenty-three points, eight boards. He has been very solid for the scene, but you also take a look at what you're able to get out of some of the ancillary pieces as well. Someone like Jordan Bohannon will be able to give you 10 points, couple of assists, shoots it well from three point range. I think it's going to be critical, but the reason why I do think that Michigan State is going to be able to hold in this game is because I do think that the offense is going to be a matchup with that of this Iowa team. And when it comes to Iowa, they're just a team that, in general, does not necessarily do a great job of being able to guard the three point arc, and that is really the hallmark of This Michigan State team this season with Michigan State, you don't have a single guy that really gives you more than 12 points per game. That would actually be Gabe Brown, has seen a little bit of fall off in his production recently. But with Iowa, it's a team that they allow opponents to be able to shoot about 33% from 3 power range at the ranks 138th in all of college basketball. And when it comes to Michigan State, defense has been a little bit teeter-totterish, but I do think that it is going to be able to do just enough in this game to be able to hold in there. With Iowa, I certainly think that they're going to be getting theirs. And I think that is very fair to assume that Iowa going to be able to get to 80 in this spot, but I think the Michigan State, they themselves, are going to be able to get right around 75 points in this game as well. I do think that you're going to be seeing a little bit of a lack of defense. We've just seen that night in and night out when it comes to Iowa games, so I'm going to be taking a look at an over in the spot as I did wind up saying my total at a 155, but with Michigan State, I did wind up making them more of a five-point underdog, so I'm willing to take six and a half to seven here when it comes to Michigan State, I do think that Tom Izzo could be able to get this team to progressively get better and better and then wind up peaking in march like we've seen out of them so many different times. How about another big time matchup? And this one involves another very up tempo team as Nebraska is going to be hitting the road to face off against Northwestern. This is 635, 636 on the betting board. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise, Nebraska. Buying themselves as an underdog, and you're finding this anywhere between 11 and 11 and a half. And you're telling us game, you're going to be getting it anywhere between 148 and, 148 and a half. I want to take my line at 11, and I can tell you right now, even though I set my line at 11, I would rather lay 11 here with Northwestern rather than take 11 and a half with Nebraska, because Nebraska is just not a good team in general. With this Cornhuskers bunch, you got a team that they do rank in the top five in all of college basketball, the guards' possessions per game, but we've been noticing it, Alonzo Verge, in true road games, turns ball over nearly four times per contest you got Bryce McGowan, He's able to give you 15 and a half points per game. He's able to give you five and a half boards per game. But Nebraska, one of the worst teams with regards to three-point shooting percentage, and you're going to find in all of college basketball. It's a team that they don't guard a soul either when it comes to the Nebraska team. Out of 358 D1 teams, they are 286 with regards points allowed on a per possession basis. And when you play at the tempo that they do, just not going well in general. It's a big reason why Nebraska. But one of your better over teams out there in college basketball, 16 overs, nine yards, and a push in their games. And when it comes to Northwestern, it's been a team that has actually been able to play some okay defense. They're much better at home than they are on the road. 10.1 points per one possessions. Fewer give it up at home rather than on the road. So you got to give them a little bit of kudos when they're out there in Evanston. They are a team that has been able to do a little bit better. You've got a guy in Boo Booey. I really like, he's able to give you five assists. He's able to give you a double-figure amount of points per game. And then you've got someone who is very versatile, Pete Nance, at six foot ten. He's able to shoot nearly 40% from three-point range. Does a good job being able to chip in there, a double-figure amount of points per game, six boards, and I just don't know how Nebraska is going to be able to match up with them. Nebraska, a bunch that has just been all over the place recently. It's a team that wound up giving up north of 90 points to Maryland. A few nights ago, actually more like 85 points. But when you're giving up 85 points to Maryland, you know that things are certainly not going well for you. At the very least, this is a Nebraska team that at home has been a little bit more okay being able to get a couple of surprise covers whenever they've been at home. On the road, this team has just not been good, to say the least. And I think that that's going to wind up continuing. Set my line at 11, but at 11, I'm certainly willing to lay it with this Northwestern team. There's just not a lot of trusting Nebraska at this point, and when it comes to Northwestern, they've actually been able to play a little bit of better defense recently, and with Nebraska, just their lack of three-point shooting, I think is going to come back to hurt them, and I do think that it's going to lead to a couple more unders moving forward. Set my total at 147 in this game, so I'm going to be taking a look at an under along with the Northwestern Wildcats laying the points. How about if we wind up going out to a little bit more of a mid-major game here between Rhode Island and St. Bonaventure Adventure with Rhode Island? You're finding them as an underdog in a lot of places of eight and a half, and your total on this game you're going to be finding it anywhere between a 132 and a half and a 133 and a half. And if you're looking for a rotation number, this is 613, 614 on the board with St. Bonaventure. It's been one of the more intriguing teams that we found in all of college basketball because they were ranked in the top 25 coming into the year. We all thought that they might be the best mid-major team in all of college basketball. It certainly has not been the case. They've been leapfrogged by. So many Mountain West teams, they have been leapfrogged by teams in their own conference in general at this point. And when it comes to St. Pond Adventure, a big reason why this team has not necessarily been so great is because they've got a five-man rotation right now. They really don't have much coming off the bench whatsoever to be able to help them out. And then when it comes to Rhode Island, you've got Makai and Mikel Mitchell. Both of these guys combined to be able to give you about 21 points per game. I think that it's Mikkel who's been able to give you right around two and a half blocks per game. So this team has been able to do a good job on the interior with Rhode Island. It is a team that they leave a little bit of something to be desired when it comes to the little things. They shoot 64.5% at the free line. This is a ter- team that has turned the ball over 14 times per game, but you do have a guy in Ishmael Elamine who's been able to shoot from three-point range right in the neighborhood of about 44%, so that has been very good for the team. you have also been able to have some very good performance out of Jeremy Shepard. Shepard is someone who's been able to give you right around 10 points per contest. Not necessarily the world's greatest facilitator, but is able to give you right around three assists per game as well when it comes to St. Pond Adventure. Well, it's a very easy handicap when you wind up having just five guys that wind up playing for this team. Jerron Holmes is able to give you right around 14 to 15 points per game. Jalen Attaway, right now the only guy shooting above 35% from three primers with the bodies. They do shoot 78% at the free line, so that is a good mark for them. They don't necessarily turn the ball over a lot, This is a team, though, that they themselves don't necessarily do a great job on defense. Oshun Oshini is 2.5 blocks per game. have been very solid for this team, but you don't necessarily have as much when it comes to being able to guard out there in the backcourt as well. When it comes to what you're able to get on the flip side for this Rhode Island team, they've been able to do a very good job of being able to brace a little bit more of a defensive approach. This is a team that they rank outside the top 250 with regards to possessions per game, but they do a good job of being able to just lock down on defense and for the Bonneys, this is still not an up-tempo team. When St. Bonaventure was able to make the NCAA tournament last year, they were able to hang their hat on defense. And this is a team that they're not looking to necessarily go out there, play at a breakneck pace or anything like that. But they just have been inefficient on defense. They've been relatively efficient on offense. And when you wind up having a team like a St. Bonaventure, you always have to question whether or not a team is going to wear down late. I've been seeing in a lot of the games that I've viewed with St. Bonaventure, their free throw shooting at the end of the game, not necessarily quite it is at the beginning of a game. So I'm going to be willing to take the points with Rhode Island. I set them a little bit more of a six-point underdog. And then I did wind up making the total as well for this game, a 133. So with regards to having this at a, between a 132 and half and 133.5, I'd rather look over rather than under. But coming up next, got to talk about Aaron Rodgers and all of that right here on Beeson Esports Bank Network.
0: This is The Look Ahead on v
1: the sports betting network. Need more college basketball insight? Check out the podcast Coast to Coast Hoops with, I don't know who this guy is, Greg Oops Peterson, as he will apparently look at every major and some minor games on the college basketball betting board to be able to find you some betting opportunities. Greg has, an op- Greg has an opinion on every single college hoops game of the season on his podcast, and he provides his unique insights and looks at those games with solid betting opportunities. Download Coast to Coast Hoops now at slash podcast or every year podcast. While you're there, catch up on every single vsyn show as well as it is a look at with, oh my gosh, myself, Greg Hoops Peterson. So. I wound up actually uploading that just before I wound up coming on here. That'll be uploaded at midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. I post it at the single time at the same time every single day. And we do every single game, every single day. So whether you're wanting to look at Villanova versus Yukon, whether you're wanting to take a look at Arkansas versus Florida, or if you're looking for the return of the Mac with teams like Central Michigan versus Ohio, when we wind up getting into more of like Thursday and Friday. You're going to have some quality Southland action. I break down every single one of them because it doesn't matter what you're betting on with regards to some of these games. It doesn't matter if you're looking at like Duke versus North Carolina. Insert your big-time SEC game here. Or if you're taking a look at, for instance, NC Central versus Maryland Eastern Troll, like we wound up seeing on Monday, money is money. Now, your limit on North Carolina versus Duke might be a little bit more than the Miac games, but with that said, you're still able to put money in your pockets. So that's always a big thing, and a big thing as well as taking a look at what we might be getting in the NFL because I'm a gentleman from the great state of Wisconsin. As a matter of fact, the reason why you did not wind up seeing me on the Greg Peterson experience over the weekend is that I was out there in the great state of Wisconsin. How you know you are a good friend of mine is, when I am taking off time during the college basketball season to come to your wedding out there in the great state of Wisconsin. I'm just saying that. So certainly was a g- great trip out there. And I can tell you, there's a lot of people are concerned about Aaron Rodgers. And if you wound up opening up Twitter at all the last few hours, you saw a lot of people that are reacting to Aaron Rodgers giving, I guess you call it gratitude on Monday. And one of those photos was the photo that was taken of the captains in the game that was played against the Kansas City Chiefs earlier this season because typically he winds up lining up with Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb for that photo. They wound up leaving a space for Aaron Rodgers who is not available for that game per COVID-19 protocols. And well, you are having a lot of people saying, oh, what does this mean? Does this mean that Aaron Rodgers is going to be going here? Does this mean that Aaron Rodgers is going to be leaving the Green Bay Packers. Doesn't mean that Aaron Rodgers is becoming the next coach of Bishop Sycamore. Well, I can tell you right now, the one thing that I can bank on is that Aaron Rodgers is probably taking a look at social media. Heck, he might be watching Beason right now. Hopefully, he is. If Aaron Rodgers is watching, I say hello and thank you for all the service that you and Brett Favre have done to make my childhood and my adulthood very, very good as a Green Bay Packers fan. But with that said, the only thing that you can bank on is that Aaron Rodgers is absolutely loving this. Nobody has any idea what he's doing right now. I know that there are some places in which you are able to bet on the next team for Aaron Rodgers. Do not waste your time with it whatsoever. Anyone who knows anything about this right now, they're clearly not talking. And I'm sure that Aaron Rodgers is right now going to be sending a lot of false smoke screens Because we know that coming into last season, there were so many people that were being like, oh, a trade to the... Denver Broncos is imminent for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is just going to retire this side or the other, but if you want to use a little bit more of a little-headed approach and take a look at things, you got to think that Aaron Rodgers does realize that his best opportunity to be able to win at his age is probably with the Green Bay Packers. And it's not necessarily because of the core roundup, but it's more or less because if you would wind up getting traded to, say, The Denver Broncos, who wound up obviously hiring on Nathaniel Hackett as their next head coach a few weeks ago. Well, you wind up having to go up against Patrick Mahomes twice a year. There is that guy by the name of Justin Herbert. He's been able to do a relatively solid job. When it comes to Brandon Staley, the coach, well, he shouldn't be going for it inside of his own 20-yard line in like the first half or anything like that, but he has been able to do a good job of being able to coach up Mr. Herbert. So you do have a lot of juggernaut teams out there like there's been a lot of talk that he might head out to lovely Las Vegas, become the next Greg Peterson, go from the great state of Wisconsin, head out west, head over to Sin City, but I don't think that that's necessarily going to be happening. Now, you've got to know that with the Green Bay Packers, they probably would be unwilling to trade them within the conference. That is something that I feel like is a little bit of a given. Now, there have been a couple of concessions that were made by the Green Bay Packers because they pretty much said with Aaron Rodgers coming back for last season that if they trade is imminent, they're going to be much more willing to help than they would have been in past years. And as we know, the cap hit for Aaron Rodgers is going to be rather hefty. There's a lot of things to be able to take a look at here, but you've got to feel like Aaron Rodgers. He's probably going to realize, you know what? If I wind up saying with the Green Bay Packers, I have to play against the Chicago Bears twice, which as if you want to taken a look at, at certain times during the year, on Wikipedia, he was apparently the owner of the Chicago pa- of the Chicago Bears, as was pretty much pronounced by himself. You've got the Detroit Lions out there, and well, the Detroit Lions aren't going to be very good next year. You've got the Minnesota Vikings, who are in all sorts of disarray themselves. They want up hiring on a new coach. I actually think there might be a little bit of upside with the Vikings. You've got a guy in Dalvin Cook, does a great job of being able to run the ball. I mean, you take a look at Kirk Cousins and. He hasn't necessarily had the world's greatest success when it comes to wins and losses, but I actually think that he's an okay quarterback. You've got a little bit of something there, but certainly if you're looking for the best opportunity to win, I do think that it is in the NFC rather than the AFC at this point because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're going to be in a little bit more of a fall off now that Tom Brady's out of the fold. Now there's been a lot of talk that perhaps the San Francisco 49ers might be in play for him. And Certainly, you could trade away Jimmy Garoppolo to try to be able to get Aaron Rodgers. If you take a look at the draft picks that the San Francisco 49ers have, they traded away a lot of them to get to to Mr. Trey Lance. And, well, that's a big, giant issue for this team. Are you going to be willing to trade away both Trey Lance along with Jimmy Garoppolo? Would the Packers even want that? I don't know. And that's the big thing with trying to take a look at this right now. I think the best thing to do right now is just a whole bet. Just wind up taking the news and when you wind up seeing what winds up happening, then you wind up springing into action. Then you wind up taking a look at, okay, here's what we should be doing looking forward. And Obviously, the NFL draft is going to have a lot to play into what you're going to be getting in general as well because I know that when it comes to the NFL draft, there's going to be a lot of implications as of what winds up happening there. You've got a lot of odds out there at places like DraftKings. Insert your book here as who's going to be the number one overall pick and, You don't have any quarterbacks that are really cracking the top four at this point. Malik Willis, the highest I've seen them is at number five. And like right now at DraftKings, you're seeing them at like 35 to one. So certainly is a case in which you're probably not going to be seeing too many quarterbacks being taken very highly. It's a very, let's call it what it is, dry crop of quarterbacks. Now you could wind up seeing a couple guys go up to the forefront, but I do think that when it comes to a lot of these teams, they are going to be taking a look at trying to be able to bring someone in via free agency, via trade. You wind up seeing the LA Rams, they wind up pushing all in on Matthew Safford. Didn't look like at the beginning it was going to be able to pan out, but as we know it did for them, you wind up seeing two seasons ago the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were looking at a guy by the name of Tom Brady. That worked out pretty well for them. First year he was with the program, he was able to get the team to a Super Bowl title, so... We've been noticing it more and more in the NFL. These quarterbacks that they wind up coming in, they're able to have very early success. So I do think that that makes it all the more enticing for a team to maybe go out and get Aaron Rodgers. But you know that the ball is in his court. You know that Aaron Rodgers is a very interesting gentleman, to say the least. He winds up not speaking out of turn. You know that there's a reason why he wound up posting up that photo on social media. What that reason is, we do not know. Maybe it's a sign that... Maybe he's going to step away from the game altogether. Maybe it's a sign in which a trade is imminent because he did say that after the season, it wasn't going to take him too long to be able to make a decision. You've got to feel like he's going to stay true to his word. I don't think that this is going to be a case in which you're taking a look at things like two weeks into the two weeks before the NFL draft. And you have absolutely no idea what's going to be happening with Aaron Rodgers. And when it comes to sort of the franchise tag mode. It is a case in which I believe that the first day of signing is if you're out there on the East Coast today, if you're out here where I am in lovely Las Vegas, that is going to be tomorrow. So it is a case in which things are a little bit different with regards to the NFL schedule this year because things wound up getting pushed back a week because the NFL season was 18 weeks instead of 17. So things become a little bit more condense when it comes to the offseason but I do think that when it comes to taking a look at things with regards to the NFL futures market stand Pat right now don't wind up taking everything that winds up getting posted out there and try to decipher things because well you might be getting a big giant smoke screen you might just be playing into the hands of Aaron Rodgers who is right now the Will Ferrell gift from Anchorman saying we are laughing and that's the best way to take a look at it right now because when it comes to Aaron Rodgers don't predict the unpredictable. I think that that's the best advice that I could give you there. What you can predict is college basketball. Coming up next, we're going to take a look at more games that we've got for Tuesday's college basketball slate right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. for more sports betting discussion around your favorite local teams. BetRivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of casts designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective. There are CityCasts for Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now we've added Washington, D.C. to the mix. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever your podcast says it is a look at with myself, Greg Oops filling in for Scott Seidenberg. We have yet to get one for the great state of Wisconsin. Right now, the only place that offers sports betting in Wisconsin is Oneida Casino. So, hopefully, that wine's getting up off the ground a little bit more. But I tell you right now, we've got a great crew that is working with me tonight. Ironically enough, someone else from the great state of Wisconsin, our technical director, Andrew. I want to talk to him in the break about the cheese skirts I wound up getting from Wisconsin while I was on break last week. Great guy. So, got to give him a nice shout out Jason Kahn my wonderful producer tonight Oliver technical or er, Oliver the production assistant and then you've got Taylor who always gets me set up on audio these guys are some of the best in the business without them you would not be seeing me wherever you are streaming slash watching this you would not be hearing me on radio or if you're streaming this by your phone what have you they are the guys that get you all set up on this when you wind up seeing the podcasts that wind up getting posted up every single hour. That's thanks to all the gentlemen behind the scenes. They truly do great work. And I am very lucky to be working with such a great cast. So a big thanks to all of them. They really do an absolutely exceptional job. Now it is my turn to be able to come through. And how about if we give you guys the return of the Mac? As we know that, as we know during college football season, action is a big thing on Tuesdays. Well, action is a thing in college basketball right now. And you're going to be seeing out there in the Mac. The number one team to the over in all of college basketball. They're going to be taking center stage on Tuesday. As you've got the Bowling Green Falcons taking on the Akron Zips. This is 6-17, 6-18 on the betting board. You've got Akron finding themselves in between a 7-half to an 8-point favorite. Your total on this game is anywhere team 147 and 147-half. 147 For Bowling Green, they played 24 games that have been listed up on the betting board. 19 of them have wound up going over. Now the thing is, they're going up, Akron, uh, up against an Akron team that... They have been one of the biggest slog teams in all of college basketball. This is a team that they rank in the bottom forty with regards to possessions per game. So it's a good old case of something's got to give. You've got the Blazer in Bowling Green, who, with regards to a per possession or a per game basis, third in terms of total possessions. Akron 344th, and Akron has done a great job of being able to lock down recently. You take a look at this bunch, and they have allowed 70 points or fewer in every one of their games here in the month of February. As a matter of fact, they have allowed more than 70 points once since January 18th. The last time these two teams wound up playing, the game wound up going over, but it wasn't necessarily because of Bowling Green. Bowling Green wound up scoring just 66 points in the game that they wound up playing on January 20th, but Akron, they put up a 91 spot in that game. Ever since then, Akron has not scored more than 76 points in a single game. That was a game against Toledo, and past that one game, not more than 71 in any of their other games as well. So I do think that it makes it very intriguing from the handicap of this one. I do think that Akron is going to be able to get their style. Typically, when it comes to college basketball, it is a little bit easier to slow a team down rather than speed one up. And I do think that Akron is going to be able to get their pace. You do have a solid backcourt when it comes to this Akron team. Xavier Casaneda will give you right around 12.5 points per game. And then you've got a pair of guys in Enrique Freeman along with Ali Ali. Down low, these guys are able to combine for about 27 points per game. Ali, Ali is a versatile player that's able to shoot 42% from three-point range. Freeman, he's not going to step out. He's not going to shoot threes, but he gives this Ekron team 11 rebounds per game. Now, the problem with Freeman is that he is the only guy on this team that averages more than four rebounds per game. So I do think the Bowling Green is going to be able to have better results than what they wound up having the first time around because you do have to go on He is plowing down low for this team. 17 points, seven boards. He shoots in the mid-30s from 3 point range. Joe Reese is a guy that's able to shoot north of 40% from 3 point range. Yeah, Bowling Green, they've been dealing with injuries all season long with their backcourt. Caleb Fields, a guy that was supposed to be able to come through, have a good year for the team. He has not played at all this season. Caden Menethy has only played in 10 games. He's going to be out the fold for this one as well. But Myron Gordon, who winds coming in from Sanford, he's been able to give the team three assists. He's been able to do a solid job of being able to give you right around 10 or so points per game. Went bully with Bowling Green. They do shoot right around 37 ish percent from three-point range, so they're able to do a relatively solid job there. Their defensive approach, well, it does leave a little bit of something to be desired. Akron, they rank right around 125th in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, so it's not like they're absolutely locked down, but at the same time, they're pretty darn solid. When it comes to this Akron team, they do shoot just 67% of the free line, so if you do have a relatively close game against the spread, that is something that is certainly worth taking a look at. And when it comes to Bowling Green, this is a team that when it comes to how they do at home versus how they do on the road, it is a case in which are relatively steady. They only score about four more points on a per-100 possession basis at home rather than on the road, which is why they've been playing so many overs recently. It is a spot in which I did wind up setting Akron as a 7.5 point favorite. So here now that we're seeing some 8s, I'm going to be willing to take it with Bowling Green. And I do think that Akron going to be able to get their pace in this game. I think that they're going to do a good job of being able to slow down a Bowling Green team that... They have been slowed down recently, but at the same time, they just have given up so many points that it hasn't mattered, and I do think that Akron not going to be able to have as much of an offensive outburst in this game, so I do think that the top over team in all of college basketball going to be playing an under in this one. I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot, and I'm saying Akron has a 7.5 point favorite, so we'll need to take 8 here. When it comes to the top team, out there in the Mac, in my opinion, you're able to go one of two ways. You're able to go with either Ohio or Toledo. How about if we wind up hitting on Toledo with this X one? 609, 6'10 on the betting board. Toledo's gonna be in the road. They're gonna be playing against Western Michigan. Western Michigan opened up a 12-point underdog. You know that it's bad when a team opens up a 12-point underdog at home and they get bet worse. It is now between 13. I'm seeing a straight 13 and a half out there as well seeing a straight 12 and a half as well. And your Charles game, in between 145 and half and 146, and this is a Toledo bunch that they've ran into some issues the last two games, but when you take a look at this offense, it is very high-powered. This is one of the better teams that you're going to find in all of college basketball, of being able to put the ball in the basket on a per-possession basis. Toledo is 24th in the country with the guards points scored on a per-possession basis, and they really don't see a fall-off home-to-road as well. Meanwhile, they're going up against a Western Michigan team that, boy, they don't do a whole lot right. They rank outside the top 275 with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis. When it comes to points allowed on a per-possession basis, this team, we're going to call it what it is. It's a skid mark on the underpants of college basketball defensive efficiency. As yes, They're 354th out of 358 D1 teams. You've got one guy in Lamar Norman Jr. He winds up coming in from Duquesne. He's been able to give the team 20 points per game. Shoots in I-30s from three-point range. Outside of him, you don't have a single guy that gives you double figures. B Artis White was figured to be a solid piece out there in the backcourt. A guy that was able to average 14 and a half points per game last season, on missing the first center so games of the season, has not looked like himself. Meanwhile, you've got a Toledo bunch that they've got Ryan Rollins, who's able to give you 19 points per game. And when you take a look at the Toledo bunch, each other top five scorers, they all give you at least four and a half rebounds per game. AJ Dennis, he does a solid job. He's able to give you 13 points, five and a half boards, shoots in the mid thirties from three point range. We've been able to get a lot of JT Shoemate, coupled with Cedric Milner Jr. Both of these guys stand between six foot six and six foot eight. Both of them shoot relatively solidly from three point range, including Shoemate shooting nearly fifty percent from three point range. There's just so much firepower with the Toledo team. First time around, they were able to just completely lay waste to this Western Michigan team. That was by a count of eighty-three to, I believe it was fifty-eight for Western Michigan. I do think that Western Michigan is going to be able to score a little bit more than 58 in this spot. The question is, are they going to be able to hang within 20? I think that it's going to be a little bit of a tall order. I want up saying this line at 15 personally. I think that Western Michigan is going to be able to give you a little bit more of a spirited effort in this spot. I do think that they're going to be able to break the 60-point plateau, but with the Toledo team, there's not a lot of slowing them down, and Western Michigan I don't know if they'd be able to pretty much slow down anything at this point. So, I mean, it's a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at Toledo and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as I want to say, my total at a 147 Toledo, one of the better over teams in all of college basketball. I think that that trend is going to continue. And when it comes to the other top team out there in the back, that would be Ohio. They're going to be playing us to Central Michigan. This is the next game down on the Las Vegas spending board 6'11, 6'12. You're finding Ohio as a pretty hefty favorite in this fight. They wound up opening up an 18-point favorite while well, they've been holding relatively steady. You're seeing that DraftKings, they're now 17-and-a-half. A lot of other places, they have an 18. To this game, is anywhere between 142-and-a-half and a half and 143 and a half and I do wind up saying my line at 17-and-a-half. At 17-and-a-half, I would rather take it with Central Michigan rather than lay it with Ohio. Last time these two teams wound up playing, things got out of control with regards to the offense. It was a 91-82 to 82 game. Central Michigan was able to cover that one, and I think that Central Michigan is at the very least going to be able to ride a speed bump for Ohio. Ohio's been dealing with a couple of guys that have been a little bit banged up their last game against Kent State. It did not wind up going as planned because he did wind up having this Ohio bunch shoot literally like 25% from the floor. I do think that things are going to be a little bit better for them offensively in this one, but you do take a look at Central Michigan, and it is a team that they shoot 37% from three-point range. Got a guy in Cam Healy. who well, is he's coming in from Albany, he's been able to do a little bit of better job if time allows. I'm going to be giving you guys a little bit more on this game, but just know that with regards to this spot, I'm going to be taking a look at taking 17 and a half plus here with Central Michigan. Set my total at 144 and a half as well. So we're going to be taking a look at the over. And here in the final hour of the look at coming up next, a lot more college basketball and a look at the Player of the Year odds in college basketball right here on VSN Esports Bank Network.